How's everyone doing tonight? Good, good. It was fun worshiping with you earlier. That was, we have blessed with quite a worship team here, aren't we? So, yeah, give it up for them. I mean, why not? That was, that was kind of half-hearted. Let's actually give it up for them. That's good. Tonight, I am very, very, very excited. I've been looking forward to this for a while to speak to you. I think that God has a lot for us, and I am very honored and excited to be the one to, uh, to speak that to you tonight. So let's start off by praying. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for meeting us here. God, we know that you said that where two or three or more are gathered, that you are here with us. And God, we appreciate and thank you for that faithfulness, Lord. You are so faithful to us, God. Please continue that faithfulness as I speak these words today, Lord. Put me aside, and I want you to be speaking to, to these people through me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, uh, in the series Disciples, tonight I want to talk a lot about the early church, what that looked like, uh, kind of the habits that they formed there that are very important in our church today. Specifically, what I want to talk about is community and fellowship. Those are things that the early church, and I mean early church, right after Jesus went to heaven, that they had down perfectly, community and fellowship. Now, kind of to learn about this, I want to talk about what the opposite of community and fellowship is as well, because that has become a really common trend in our society. That trend is wrapped up in, in the thought, and in my opinion, the false thought of church is made of people. I'm a person. I am the church. So I don't need to go to church. That I'm not going to question that person's faith nor their salvation. That is between them and God. But as many of you here are sitting down, you can see that, that that thought and that lie to yourself is missing out on a lot of things, namely fellowship and community. So what does that look like? What does that person see? How, how can, is that actually wrong to just have your own church, that I am the church myself? So what does that look like? Many times I've met many Christians. I'm sure that you've heard this story before. It's very popular in my generation. I'm not sure why that is, but my generation and the one just before me has this real trend. What that looks like is someone saying, well, I don't go to church, but on a Sunday morning, I do pretty much the same thing. I go to Starbucks, I get my vente soy mocha frappuccino, whatever it is, and then I go and I have this, this special chair. Nobody else can sit there on a Sunday morning. Everybody knows that it's my chair. And I sit in that chair and I listen to worship music if I feel like it, if the Spirit leads me. I read some word and that's my church. That's what I do. Okay, I think that's great for devotion. I think that is necessary. I think devotion is great. I've had some of the best devotion in, in coffee shops, sometimes Starbucks. I don't order the frappuccino thing. But that is an important part of Christianity. But of course that person is not going to have community and fellowship with a barista. <laughs> we need the church and we need each other here. Let's, let's also compare that to, to something else in life. What else in life looks like that? Let's say a totally separate subject you and a friend, you're at Starbucks. You guys go up, you order your frappuccino, whatever it is you're drinking, you're having a good conversation, and your friend looks up, and they say, oh my gosh, do you see that person that just walked in? And you look up and you see this guy who is 350 pounds of muscle, complete just athlete, 
You know, like, not, not just like big and muscly, but like, you, it looks like a science book because you can see each individual muscle kind of thing. And your friend looks at me like, oh my gosh, look at that dude. He has to be a professional athlete. You're like, I, I don't know, I don't know. And your friend's like, no, look at him. His head looks like a cinder block. That guy is a NFL player, no doubt about it. And you say, so you go back and forth, he's drinking his coffee, his hands are so big that, the, that the, the small looks like a large, or looks like a venti, whatever they call it there, I don't, I don't really know. And then you say, okay, let's settle this, I'll go talk to him. So you go up, excuse me, sir, it sounds like that, you know, because he's so muscular, just, it's like that. <laughs> yeah. But you go up to him and you say, ah, me and my friend, we were kind of wondering, you look kind of familiar, and of course you look like an athlete, do you, do you happen to play in the NFL? And he looks up at you and he says, I, I happen to play in the NFL, yeah. I'm a professional football player. You say, I've never met one before. That is awesome. I, I, I'd love to have a picture with you. This is, this is really cool. I, I'm sorry I don't know this already, but, but what team do you play on? How ridiculous would it be if he looked at you and he said, I do not play on a team say, okay, I, I don't really understand how you could be a football player without having a team. And he says, no, no, no. Football player, football needs athletes, right? The NFL needs athletes. I am an athlete, so I am the team. I am the NFL. <laughs> You're going to say, I don't, I don't know about that. None, and he's going to say, no, 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 don't, you can't, imagine that, a huge guy. No, 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 you can't judge me. That, that's probably not how he would sound. But no, 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 you cannot judge me. You cannot force me to go on a team with a bunch of people that I don't like. Half of them are hypocrites. I'm a better athlete than half the people on those teams. No, they need athletes. I am an athlete, so I am the NFL. At that point, for one, sound familiar. <laughs> um, for two, you're probably going to walk away, walk up to your friend and say, I, I, I don't know, but that guy needs some help. <laughs> he's, he's vastly confused on what this looks like. And I think just like he would be missing out on a lot of the NFL if he found himself on a field without a team, I think that if someone is missing out on the community and fellowship that a church brings us, they are missing out on a lot. So what is the biblical example that we have of this? What does the Bible say all about this? In Acts 2.42, if you all want to turn there real quick. Two forty-two is where we're starting. Um, this is, again, like I said earlier, this is the very, very much early church. This is only weeks after uh, Jesus ascended into heaven, days, possibly weeks. And they're saying, okay, what is this going to look like? What are the things that we're going to need right off the bat? The first thing they say is, okay, we need a lot of Jesus. That's apparent. We need a lot of Jesus. So they get a lot of Jesus. Second, we're going to need each other. This is extremely important. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, All believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to, here's a big one, fellowship, to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property, their possessions, and shared money with those in need. 
They worshiped together at a temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now that entire section, if we saw ourselves as only individuals in this whole Christianity thing, in this whole church, that entire section of the Bible would just have to be missing. Because this shows, look at all of the things that happened when these people teamed up, joined together, and they even took it to the point that they were sharing everything, even money. Now, I'm not saying that we do that today in church. This isn't any kind of communist propaganda that we have to live in a commune in tents or something like that. No, but there is, there is a spiritual part of this. What would it look like if we shared our strengths and our weaknesses spiritually with each other. This was a, a financial joint. They were joining financially together. Uh, something modern, what would, what would that look like? A marriage, you're, you're joining financially together. Uh, my wife and I were actually uh, expected to close on our house next week. That's pretty exciting. It's, it's uh, yeah, everybody cheers, but nobody tells you how bad the process is. It's not fun at all. <laughs> It's not one bit fun. It starts out, you're like, oh my gosh, we found a house. You go to a bank, you both sit down, and they just, they ridicule your job like it's nothing. They're like, oh, well, you make that, okay. And then they look at everything, and they say, okay, what kind of debts do you have? And they dig all through the debts, they run your credit, everything like that, and they say, explain all of your debts, and then they look at your job, those are the assets that you bring to the table, how much money do you make, how good are you at making money, how consistent is it, and then what are the liabilities that you bring to the table? What does it look like if Christians share assets and liabilities? Now, my wife and I, we are sharing, we're in a financial agreement that we are together, so if we're going through and we're talking to that loan officer, like we have been for a long time getting this house, and, and we're talking and I'm saying, okay, well, we have this credit card. Uh, we're making payments on our car. That's, that's pretty much what we have. And my wife goes, um, actually, I, I, I forgot to tell you. We should probably let them know. I have a credit card as well. Um, its balance is about $200,000. So the loan officer's not going to look at me and say, wow, your wife has a lot of financial liabilities. They're going to look at us and say, you both have $200,000 in financial liability. We are joined together. What does that look like in a church in fellowship if we are spiritually joined together? That would mean when I'm finding myself in a moment of, of weakness, when I am struggling, we can lean on each other's spiritual strength. That's hard to describe without finding yourself in that position. But I, for one, have found myself in a position where I am spiritually struggling. I am in a dry area, and I have had to lean on a brother's strength, and there is nothing like that. There is no I am the church that can replace that. The, the, asset that, uh, the, I, the assets that they bring to the table can help with my liability. They can say, I know you're struggling with that, but brother, I have been there before. That is true fellowship with each other. Now imagine that if I found myself in spiritually struggling and trying times and I didn't have that fellowship with a brother in Christ, it would be a lot, it'd be about as ridiculous as an NFL player on the line of scrimmage looking left and looking right and being completely alone. 
For one, there's an enemy, a real enemy, right, right there in front of him, and he's going to have to face him, and he's got a goal to meet as well. There's a finish line to this race. There's an end zone, but he's not going to make it too far on his own. If we are on our own in this walk, there's going to be a lot coming against us, and trust me, if you can look left and right and see those around you ready to support you, where they have strengths where you might not, we're going to make it much farther as a church. I truly believe that if the early church did not figure this out right away, that religion, this new faith, granted God is more powerful than this, and that's why he had his hand over this, but if it was only up to them and they did not figure out this community quickly, would that faith have even lasted the the 2,000 years that it has, or would it have been lost within one, maybe two generations? I pray that today, in our church, we find that same sense of community and that same sense of fellowship. So what again does that look like with the assets and liabilities? In James 5, it says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has a great power and produces wonderful results. I think that that is a perfect verse to encapsulate fellowship. It is someone, it doesn't have to be like a parole officer, like, well, why don't you tell me what you've done this week? No, not at all. But it can be a conversation where you guys are all there together. You're talking about God, you're talking about things, you know, say, you know what, yeah, I, I kind of meet you there. I, I have struggled with this in the past. I have struggled with it even recently. And you can find, again, that you are leaning on somebody's spiritual strength, and in that, they say, I, I've been there too. Let me tell you exactly what happened and let me pray with you as well. That's what that verse says. It says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful. Ladies and gentlemen, we, when we have a community that is praying with each other, there is power there. There is power there that cannot be the same. It doesn't say here that the earnest prayer of yourself for yourself is as powerful as a community. I, I heard a pastor once describe that prayer that prayer is a lot like moving. We've moved a lot trying to find the right house and such. It's a lot easier if you have a lot of people helping. That you cannot find if you're, in a, if you're alone in this fight saying, I am the church. So, let's continue with this here. What does it look like when that community is not quite as strong? This, I would pray that when we confess our sins to each other, if we are having fellowship with one another, that we would not be a church that sucks air. That sounds like this. <gasps> I don't think that there is a single time in the Bible where, where somebody said, and Jesus heard their sin, and Jesus went, <gasps> I don't think that happened. And I don't think that should happen with each other either. We should not be a church that sucks air. You can take that for what it's worth right there. That's pretty good preaching right there. I don't know. <laughs> so one of the greatest things with fellowship as well is we here have a community of people. Everyone in this room is in this fight together. And what's happening is everyone in this room, like I said, personal devotion is hugely important. And personal devotion means that everyone here has a collective goal. We are all simultaneously Attempting to be closer and more like Christ. Every day trying to be more like Christ, more like Christ. 
And I have found myself with those who I fellowship with, who I am close with, where we find ourselves even together in a difficult situation with each other, or whether it be in there in a family situation, and they, they deal with that in a way that you may not even expect. What I'm getting at is that we can see through each other Christ. That I can see how a brother conducts himself in a difficult situation. I have been in those where it's like, oh, this is a no-win situation. And they conduct themselves in a way where I can say, you know what? If Jesus was standing right there in front of me, I believe he would have done the exact same thing. I believe that right then that would have happened. He would have done it. And then right there you can find yourself getting closer and closer to your Savior just by seeing him in others around you. I think that that is the greatest form of fellowship. And imagine how few people would even want to be alone in a coffee shop doing my own little church thing if they're in a building where there are people that they can actually see Christ in them. We're going to have far less people in this generation that are going to be saying, oh, I, I can't do that. They're, like you said, it, I may be a better athlete than they are. I might be a better Christian. Well, goodness sakes, that may be true, but if you can see Christ in someone, that is what fellowship is. And I, again, have found myself in those situations where I have looked back, maybe not in the moment, but I have looked back and I said, I think that I can see Jesus a little bit more because of how they conducted themselves. Now I can see some people, I, I can see the head nods out there. A, lo a lot of you liked what I had to say there. But I think there are a few, maybe there aren't, and I would actually pray that there aren't, but there could be a few out there that say, you know what, that you, you're preaching pretty well, it's going okay, but you lost me there. You lost me there entirely. Because you're expecting me to look at the people maybe right next to me, maybe in this room, maybe in another church, and you're expecting me to see Christ in them? The perfect Jesus who came, he is Jesus, the Christ, God's son. You're expecting me to see that in some of these people? That's just because you don't know what they've done. You don't know they have hurt me. Trust me, I, I, I do know to an extent. I've been in church. I know that things can be imperfect. Christ may not show through everyone there. And you may, may be in a place where you say, you know what? TJ, you're doing good, but you, you really lost me there. Because I cannot see Christ in someone who hurt me. If Christ was right here next to me, he would never have done anything like that. Well, let me share one thing with you here, and I'll ask the keys to come out. There we go. This, this, is, a, this is easier said than done. But maybe in that moment, whether it's now or whether it's years ago, that wasn't your turn to see Christ in someone. That's not your turn to see Jesus in that person, to see him through fellowship. Maybe it is their turn to see it in you. You see, God did something absolutely amazing. He sent his son to die on the cross. Through all of the teaching, all of the words that Jesus said through the Bible, there is one thing that he did that is way more powerful than all of that and showed us way more tangible love than ever before when he died on the cross. Some of you know where I'm getting at here. It starts with an F. Say the word for forgiveness. He forgave. That was the utmost, most incredible outpouring 
of his love. And how better do we share the love of Christ? How better do we look like Christ in this community than if we have a people that are willing to forgive each other? I tell you what, I don't think that that person could see Christ more through you than if you responded like Christ did. He was on the cross. You know, a lot of times we're, we're like, okay, something happened. Somebody did something to me. Well, Jesus, he forgave while it was being done to him. He was literally hanging on the cross, poss- possibly suffocating on his own blood. And right then he said, Father, forgive them. He didn't even wait till the next day. And that You could not have more love than what is displayed there. Why don't you all stand this morning? Goodness, there's no windows in here. It's not morning, is it? (laughs) You could all stand this evening. See, I believe if we have a, a church, if we have a community and we have a fellowship of people that are sharing their spiritual assets, their spiritual liabilities, gaining strength within each other, and also becoming closer and closer to Christ, looking more and more like Christ every day and emulating Christ in the one thing that he did that changed human history forever, which was forgive. Like I said, this generation would see less people saying, I am the church. I think we'll have a generation that wants to be a part of that. Let's all pray today. Lord Jesus, again, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, God. We thank you so much that as we are a church of very imperfect people, God, we want to be close to you. We want to grow nearer to you, to look more like you, God. And Jesus, tonight we we remember exactly what you did on that cross, Lord. God, that you changed human history forever, brought us forgiveness God, you forgave us of things even in the future that we hadn't done yet. You said it is finished and it is forgiven. I've got a question for everyone in this room today, for every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here and maybe you've found yourself going away from the church, maybe you want to do your own thing, maybe it was more extreme or less extreme than what I described, but you find yourself in a place and you say, I want, I want to be a part of this. I want to accept that forgiveness that Jesus gave us and I want to be a part of this community with fellowship with others. If you want to do that for the first time or if you're coming back to that, to that fellowship and community, we want to pray with you tonight. On the count of three, if you want to accept Jesus into your life and accept the forgiveness that he offers and he has offered throughout human history all for you tonight. On the count of three, if you would raise your hand, one, two, three. Wonderful, praise God. God, we again thank you so much for your forgiveness, Lord. God, I pray that our community would be strengthened, that we would have people seeking fellowship with each other. God, that if there's anyone struggling, that they would be able to lean on the team next to them, to the right and to the left. And God, I pray that we would not be alone in this fight, that we would not be alone on the football field at the line of scrimmage, but that we have a team of people and we are on your team, God. We thank you so much for that, Lord. 
as a congregation, as a community tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.